Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today's episode is going to be kind of a series of episodes that I recorded in Las Vegas, Nevada at the SEI convention. Uh, This first episode is with Cody Nelson at the Outdoorsman's, and we're going to have a lot of fun. I've got Cody and my associate, Dar Colburn. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, a bunch of different stuff here. I really appreciate you guys' support. Uh, Last month was my highest um, amount of downloads that I've had. We're about two weeks away from the two-year, I guess, anniversary, if you will, of this podcast. And without you guys' unbelievable support uh, of each episode, uh, it, it wouldn't have gotten the traction that it, that it has gotten. So I just want to thank each and every one of you. I want to hear from you guys. Uh, I breathe. My, my air, come, my oxygen um, comes from you guys and your comments uh, and your questions, and um, it's very important to me that you guys reach out and uh, let me know what you want to hear, let me know what you're thinking, let me know if you disagree with me, uh, if you've got people that you want to hear on the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, uh, send me a message uh, either through email, uh, Outdoors at gmail.com, through my Instagram or through my Facebook accounts. Uh, lo- always looking for great content and um, just really appreciate the support and the love that I get from you guys. And I also want to thank uh, our sponsors, uh, GoHunt.com Insider. I uh, had uh, a- an unbelievable um, month this last month of January from feedback from you listeners that have signed up for an Insider membership. Uh, using the J. Scott promo code and um, with the Arizona draw odds, uh, more people signed up for Go Hunt Insider uh, than ever before. And I want to thank you for that. And I know you're thanking yourselves because of the great resource that it is. Uh, and going into the draw application period here for uh, Arizona elk and antelope, it's critical uh, with the new changes in Arizona. Uh, that you see uh, where you stand as a non-resident with your draw odds for these different elk and antelope units uh, and where you stand as a resident, both. Uh, And things have changed. Uh, So uh, if you're not already a member, you uh, go to gohunt.com forward slash insider. Use the J. Scott promo code. You're going to get a $50 Kuyu gift card when you sign up. And uh, you're going to see uh, what the great resource is and what all the buzz is about with GoHunt.com. Uh, they have some amazing stuff that is that is coming that they'll be announcing here. We'll be talking about it on the podcast, and it's just an exciting time. I'd also like to thank uh, PhoneScope.com, Cheston Davis and his crew over at PhoneScope. Uh, they make uh, digiscoping adapters that, that can take any optic, any binocular, uh, any spotting scope and adapt that to your phone, whether it be a Android phone, Samsung uh, or uh, iPhone or any type of phone, you can take awesome images, uh, both photos and video through their system. So um, check them out at phonescope.com. If you use the JScott16 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount over there. And also, of course, the Outdoorsman's uh, here, Cody Nelson on this episode, if you use the J Scott promo code, when you call in at 1-800-291-8065 or on outdoorsmans.com, just enter the J Scott promo code. Uh, you're going to get a 10% discount. So, uh, guys, let's get right to this episode. 
this is this is a good one. I had a great time at uh, the Safari Club International Convention, and uh, in two weeks I'm going to be out at the NWTF convention in Nashville. Uh, it's a long ways from home, but I love that. Uh, I love that convention. It's great to see good friends, and it's just a big conglomerate of turkey hunters, a big gathering of you know seventy thousand turkey nuts. And uh, if you're going to be out there, uh, look me up. Uh, send me a message. Uh, I want to hear from you. Again, send me all your questions, your comments. I'll do my best to answer them right away, uh, and I will do my best to answer them on the air as well. Uh, so that everybody can hear um, what's going on. If it's private and you just want you you know you just want it to be a conversation between you and me, that's fine too. Just say hey, rather this just be a private conversation. So, uh, guys, let's get right to the episode. Thanks again for all your support. Welcome to the J Scott Outdoors podcast. We're actually here on location at the Outdoorsman's booth at the SEI convention in Las Vegas. I've got Cody Nelson, the owner of the Outdoorsman's, here with me, and uh, Dar Colburn, my hunting partner and guiding associate guys how you doing doing good it's just kind of fun we've it never, is fun we've never done this live before this is awesome yeah so we're here at sei cody this is the 20th year uh that the outdoorsman's has i believe had a booth here at uh sei is that not correct yeah i think it's actually uh if I, we're either at 20 or just over 20 years yeah so yeah t- it's 20 years at an yep. awesome convention Floyd started doing this way back when and it's uh it's been good for us and and the truth of it is is it it's good to give back and get everybody here and it, it's a collection of hunters and taxidermy and outfitters from across the world and and uh and, and, and you know safari club international i can't think of a better organization to be a part of and you know all of our fees to get in and all of our you know we make donations and all that stuff goes to a you know, obviously a great cause. So I think that's... What is it about SCI convention itself and, and not only its size for me, but I, I ask you both, you both have been here. Um, what do you think makes SCI special, this convention compared to others special? Dar? Well, I mean, I've been here, I think, three times now. And you think you know you have your own little niche of where you hunt and what you like to hunt. And then you come here and there's stuff that you've never even heard of before. And it's just a big collection of people that like to hunt. And, I mean, that's what's important. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it blows your mind how many, you know, it, things there are to hunt and how many hunters there are. Yeah, you think, you, you think you're an expert at oh, something yeah. and, and you meet some other guy that's hunting other animals or whatever they're doing. And you realize, man, I, I am so... Like I have blinders like, on. See, like yeah, I'm focused just, on. So Absolutely. focused on your yeah. niche. No yeah. That's what I see yeah. like walking around here. You know, you you, you go by and, and there'll be people from all over the world and they're just as into their animals as we are yeah. into ours. That's exactly and it, right. you bring up a good point that you kind of get your blinders on that you think what you're doing is like, you know, the ultimate. And, and not saying it's not what we do isn't the ultimate because um, we might think it yeah. is. But That's the exactly reality right. is... Uh, it, you know, it's interesting to walk around and see all these different animals, all these different countries, people from all over, and everybody's well, the passion is you well, can that, see it. And, and I was going to say that that was going to be my next point was is that you know you, you you look at all the animals and the taxidermy work, and I don't know if you guys have been down and seen the phenomenal oh, yeah. the, uh, the wildebeest crossing. Yeah. That, that I mean that stuff just blows you away. But um, 
I think the other thing that, that I think is really cool here is that, you know, we get kind of in our own little bubble. And, yeah, we're coos deer hunters or we're mule deer freaks or, you know, whatever yep. we're doing. But you realize that it's, the fun part about doing this is is it, it's people from all over the world that have the same basic general passion. passion. Yep. And you get to meet the – I mean, you could be talking to a guy that's a billionaire or you could be talking to a guy that, you know, just looking for his first – you know, out of norm, you know, kind of hunt. And, right. and, and to me that, I, I think that's kind of what SCI represents to me is that you could have all walks of life. Yeah. And, uh, and, and all and come together like in a it, common bond exactly. and that's hunting. And, and it is. And I, I don't, I've never felt like somebody just flips their nose up. So you're like, they're better than, I, I think that all that kind of stuff goes out the window here. That's, yeah. that's the way I feel about it. Yeah. And so. I, I think, for me personally, the the first time I came, I was like a kid in a candy store walking around looking at, like you said, all the taxidermy, the outfitters, yep. all the different stuff. And now, you know, having come several times, it's talking to people that you met three or four years ago and, you know, networking and just getting to see old friends and, well, and then, you know, talking uh, about hunting. And, and, we're, and, and we're, I mean, God, you start thinking about the, the artwork. Mm-hmm. Like the pictures, Sculpting. I saw a picture the other, uh, two days ago, and I literally had I, I I tapped Eddie on the shoulder and I said, "That I feel like I can reach out and touch that yeah. animal." It was so so vivid, vivid and so yeah. real. I was like, "No kidding!" So, and then you take the the so you got the artwork, and then the other thing we haven't even discussed is like the 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 you get all the 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 double rifles and you know guns that. Like I've held before and went, man, that's a $200,000 rifle. Yeah. And you think to yourself, oh, my yeah. God. And you, you realize the hours and the dedication just to put the engraving on The all. craftsmanship. It, it, it's, yeah, it, it, and you get to see all of that in this one building. Yeah. That, that's amazing mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. From, from the outdoorsman's perspective, you come here to this show and you bring, we're looking over here and the guys are getting ready here for the show. It's about to open up and. And and uh, they're getting all your gear out for you. What does this show? What are your goals of a show like this? And and you know, uh, you know you've been doing this a long time. You guys have a streamlined you know process. You've got a great crew here, guys and gals. There's you know. a couple things, Jay, that we do here that that you know, and I think it's no different than being in the shop. We we are a business, and I'm not going to lie. We come here, we make money. But I think more importantly, the thing that, that I notice and that is probably the most fun about this entire deal is that we're literally making relationships with customers that we, I've maybe ne- dealt with maybe five, six, you know, seven or seven years now where people are like, Cody, hi. I mean, they Giving are you big excited and, to yeah. see you and they're buying and they, they, it's almost like they wait all year just so they can go to SCI and purchase stuff here or or they want to tell you about their hunts that they did over the um, one of the our, our customers from Iowa he uh, he went down and killed his first desert sheep I mean he was so excited just to show because you know the the scope that he bought you know was was the scope that he used and we build him a customer turret and you do the whole thing and so you start procuring these these you know uh, relationships right, yeah. and I, I think that's even more I I don't know if there's a way for me I suppose we could come up with a way but the residual sales from stuff that i leave here i have no idea even i can't even calculate that yeah but when we're here it's i mean the sales are wonderful but 
Well, it's, and two, it's, it's they're the putting relationship. they're putting a face with a name. You exactly. know, they might call the outdoorsmen, but it's when they come down here and, and see you guys and get to well, know you personally, then then they call you on the phone exactly and it's like right. your buddy calling in and you know it's it, and it's funny because I have a group of people that come in and want to see Cody, mm-hmm. and Mark has the people that want to see him and and Aaron and Lee and and you know it's. Uh, I mean, you do. You just look back yeah. and you're like, you're kind of proud because your guys are doing their thing and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're making these relationships. And, and, and the other thing that's most exciting, too, is we don't get to see, um, like, you know, a Sarovsky or Laika or, um, you know, Zeiss. They're all here. We, we get to talk to those people on the phone, you know, once a week. The manufacturers. Week yeah, yeah, all yeah. the manufacturers. Um, but, we, you know, they're, they're just across the aisle from us, and we get to walk over and talk to them and get their expertise and yeah. their service and their knowledge. Um, you know, and, and you get to do that for, you know, four or five days out of the year. That's pretty cool and pretty fun. Yeah. How important to you is, you know, you guys are the optics authority, and how important is it to you to have your staff be you know, an extension of you and your knowledge. But like you said, they, they each kind of have their own clients that come up year yep. after year. Um, to me, that shows a level of, of professionalism. It shows a level of strength in the fact that it's not a one-man band. And it's almost like you're the, the center of the octopus and there's all these tentacles and, and, and there's strength in, in numbers. You know, it, it's, well, first of all, it's, that's a, it's a compliment. And, you know, Floyd said something to me. Uh, last week and you know he used to say you know Cody I didn't really used to leave anywhere or go anywhere when you guys leave so when when we're away from the shop you know he would stay close to home and he's and he kind of looked at me and he says you know he says I just went hunting and he says you guys and that was such a compliment to to not just me I'm just a part of this right but I have such a you know, a fantastic group of people that work at the shop, you know, Jake and Cole and Chris, those guys back there, I mean, they're processing orders and they're getting work done. And then you got these guys here and it, it's everything about the relationships and those guys know their product. They know the knowledge, they use them. Um, they're out doing it. Uh, and that's how we, you know, you say optics authority, you know, I just expect the guys when yeah. they go out and they're going to shoot or they're going to uh, a glass or take those tripods, take those optics, take those scopes. We have different rifles that you know we set up and shoot. They're expected to do that. One of the challenges and, and I can and they don't even it's not even about expecting. They want to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges I could see being uh, in your position is all these guys like to hunt. All these guys like to get out and use the product. I'm sure a little bit. <laughs> juggling everybody's schedules because but it's almost a good thing because if they were always available you know they weren't out using the product and when that translates to the customer where they can't tell them why for the customer specific needs this binocular or this spotting scope or this rifle it, scope if is they're better. not out doing it yeah you can regurgitate stats on a sheet and tell you the specifications mm-hmm. and the weights and the whatever's but if they're not out doing it, Jay, I don't think that passion of hunting comes across when you're making sales. And they, I think people respect that. I think they, there's a validation there that I, I think people understand. And that they're like, you know what? These guys are out doing that and they, they use this gear. I think it, it brings on a whole other level of, 
you know, I mean, it, it, they kind of have a, I don't know, like yeah, a, consumer, the same relationship. Consumers are very smart these days, and, and I know. think they see through it very quickly yeah, they if know. you don't use yeah. it. I, I think and and aren't knowledgeable. Yeah, Dar, I think that's yeah. that's absolutely, absolutely 100%. Because of, I, I mean, you guys both fly fish. I barely fly fish. If I was going to a fly fishing shop and some kid was just behind the counter just going, Oh yeah, just you need that, 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 and then he just he, he didn't relate to me that oh hey I I used this one the other day. I mean, that you have to be able to talk to the talk and walk the walk with people. Yeah, and right. I think they they do. I think Dar's point is exactly right. People are pretty educated about stuff, and they well, and, and there's so many places to get stuff nowadays online, yep. and I mean, you can order stuff anywhere these instantly. days instantly now, and you know prices are all pretty much the same. Yep. So. When you have someone like Cody and the Outdoorsman's, you know, they can call and talk to these guys that use it and give them the real scoop versus some 1-800 number that yeah. who knows who they're talking to. Yep. Yep. And they're just a processor, basically. Yep. I mean, Cody, as I look over here and the guys are setting up the actual optics, um, I notice that they're, they're setting the optics, the binos up over there. And they're actually setting them up so guys can actually get behind them and glass. It looks like they've got little mini... Uh, uh, our micro pan heads. Yeah, micro pan head set up. Uh, is that so guys can simulate exactly what they're going to be kind of looking through when they put it on a tripod yeah, and look through? I, it basically always comes back to, you know, and, in, 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 you know, sales throughout, you know, um, anywhere I've ever worked, it's always been about hands-on. I don't care whether you're selling somebody a home, mm-hmm. you know, hey, Turn that doorknob, put, push that button, turn those lights. I mean, you know, or in this case, you're telling people how to work a tripod or showing them, putting their hands on it, let them feel how smooth it is and, and understanding the machining and, and the processes that goes to build that. Mm-hmm. I think people have a, a, a much greater respect and understanding and, and are, are in almost instant gratification. of. Yeah, and they're much more likely to buy something like if they that. can put their hands on it and yep. test well, and it and, that's, and try you know, it. And again, we go back to the whole SCI you know what it brings to people that's why most of the consumers that are here that's what they're doing yeah you know they they want to see the products yeah. they want to see the the taxidermy they want to see the you know whatever that they're here to do mm-hmm. they want to put their hands on it and feel it and see it and touch it and, and understand how it works and that's that's something too where i just think the the online stuff it'll it can never duplicate this sort of stuff where people can come in put their hands on it look through right. it and you know, get well, that, the expertise. And it's it, it, it's kind of fun, too, because somebody asked me yesterday, well, you know, Cody, what's the best? Well, I think the best is relative to what... what application. I don't know, what, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, what application? What are you doing with it? What, you know, what is your budget? I mean, y- there's 10 different things that go into that. And my idea is, is and Jay, we've talked about this before, is I want to educate people so that they make the best decisions so it doesn't come to, you know, if you want to ask me what's in my backpack, I'll tell you. But at the same time, when you do that, um, I want to help you educate yourself to make the, the best decisions for your situation. Sure. Speaking of backpack, you, you bring up something I want to ask you about. We've got a whole slew of backpacks here behind us. Um, and I noticed yesterday it seemed like guys were digging through the packs and it seemed like they were just selling like crazy. Um, what do you have uh, that you would say is kind of your top seller or your backpack? What do you have that's going on that's new here? You know, we have two, two basic models. Both of them are offered in the same three materials and patterns. 
So we have an optics hunter um, that's about a 6,000 cubic inch. And then that's the original, you know, kind of the... the what gives it the name Optics Hunter? I mean, well, how did, I mean, how it was it literally that? originally created as uh, somebody that, that carries their tripod, their binoculars, and the rest of their day gear with the ability to carry and haul game out, you know, if you've harvested something. Um, so basically, um, that was the original, you know, seed, if you will. Um, and that's where all the backpacks and the frames, and that's where that all started. So, And, and the frame, not to interrupt you here, um, but the frame is unique in itself. Can absolutely. you talk to me a little bit about the frame and what makes it different than other backpacks out there on the market? Um, you know, it's a polypropylene frame. It's um, The thing that I think that is most unique about it is it's very conforming to the basically the curvature of the spine. Um it has two main rails that are acting as stays, you know, for backpacking terms that, if you will, allow the pack to, to move with the body but still are giving it support much like your spine would do. So um, I would tell you that from my own experience, having carried several packs with several big loads on it, um, it's the one pack that makes me feel like almost like I don't have a backpack on. I mean, look, when you get to 80 pounds, I don't care what pack it is. They all start. <laughs> it's not fun. 80 pounds <laughs> is 80 pounds is yeah. 80 pounds. Um, but I think our pack does a really good job of, of, of distributing weight correctly and, and making it so that guys are more efficient at carrying weight. It, it, it's, and, and it bre- you know, a lot of people forget how well. You know, some packs have a lot of material on the back of them, you know, through the torso. And with our frame and the way that it's built, there's there's basically an airspace in there. And breathability, um, you know, for moisture control is important. Um, and I think our pack breathes um, as, as well as, you know, any pack on, on the market in terms of, you know, keeping it off your back. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at the different packs, your frame pretty much stays the same and you can use any of these packs interchange them with the yes. frame yeah which any is a nice pack feature that we too. have um you can take off and you can take it off and use just the the the, the meat hauling capability or you can you can flip between a long range and, a, and an optics hunter and so that brings up a good point so when you're looking at the optics hunter um the difference between the optics hunter and the long range is that you have a a uh an expandable uh, upwards telescoping, if you will, uh, tube. Top portion of the Top pack. portion. Yeah. And that lid goes up and down with that. Um, there's also a dedicated optics like a, for a 1556 pocket with an L-shaped zipper that's padded. And that um, will pretty much fit any 15 by 56 binocular and down. Any roof prism. The biggest roof prism binocular I know of is an older uh, Minox mm-hmm. 1558. And it will fit those. The That's biggest one on the thing that is, right a, now, is nice about that pack is your optics fit in those pockets. Yeah, they're and designed they, and they to do. Fit they, in there. they. It was designed specifically. The biggest um, current model fifteen that's sold right now is the the Zeiss fifteen by fifty six Conquest, and we built that specifically to to have a little bit of room for those. Um, and and it's done. That's kind of been one of the biggest compliments about that pack is. People put those in there and they don't worry about them anymore. Um, and then the, the long range, the other thing is is that 
that pack um, with the compression straps the way they're built, when you lengthen them, it allows the pack to separate from the frame to actually put meat in behind it. Between the frame between and the, the, frame and the, and the pack. pack. Or some guys like to haul in a bigger camp. So maybe they're hauling in, you know, water, clothes or, or water, or, you know, whatever they're, you know, what, what are, you know, they might have a, a cell load in there between them. And um, you guys sell some of the little like cell bags. Yes, right. We that, have a that can interchange. We have a pod them. that yeah. can either be used as a as a load cell mm-hmm. um, in between, or we use it um, on the outside. It'll connect to the pack that way. Um, I think the the idea that we're getting at here is that our packs are incredibly versatile. versatile yeah. So um, you can use it as a day pack. You can use it as a backpack. Um, I want to ask you about the thing that's jumps out at me with them too is the fact that they're so durable um you know dar and i have always commented that we could literally you know from three feet out throw the backpack (laughs) into the ranger and take off screaming down the road and And you know drag it down the road almost there's a couple things with that number one everybody should know that the 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 frame now is a lifetime warranty period and i think explain that um, meaning that if it breaks for any reason, we replace the frame, period. Um, to date, I've been with the company now working on seven years, and I've literally, I, I think I'm at eight frames now. Out of and, and, thousands. And, uh, out of thousands. Yeah. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, four or five out of those eight and, and I'm, I'm not saying that they did it on purpose, not saying they did anything right. It's not even about that. But people took them with a loaded elk quarter and literally dropped them off a tailgate or, you know, you talked about throwing them. Those are the only reasons that I've ever seen anything snap. With mm-hmm. a ton of weight on it. With under. a ton of weight on yeah. it. But we've had a couple that, you know, just had little tiny, you know, I would call them fractures. Not sure why they happened replaced them without even thinking about it yeah. well there's a there's a youtube video i believe on your youtube channel jay that uh shows Giannis and i on a late elk hunt one time yeah repelling oh yeah, yeah with yeah, uh, i remember yeah that. we we packed the bulls up to this cliff and our hunters were up top and they would throw a rope down tie it to the frame <laughs> of the outdoors pack and drag it the 30 Flanking feet it up the across cliff. the cliff yeah. face the whole holding way up. it by the frame you know you know, most people don't realize you have a There goes a guy right now just bought a pack, and he's off he goes with it. Yep. Happy as a client. A happy customer. There you go. <laughs> um, but in that video, I don't think people realize that when you guys are pulling those packs up, you know, there's 80, 85, oh, yeah. 90 pounds in the, and they're slamming against oh, yeah. the, oh, yeah. you know, the rocks. And you know, I think that's an attribute to, you know, obviously Floyd and, and, you know, Dale and the guys that originally designed that pack. If it doesn't last, it's not, it's not, it's regardless of how you are as a manufacturer, if it doesn't last, it, there's no value to the customer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we have, uh, Greg Krogh was here yesterday. And of course you guys know yeah, Greg. Mogion Rim Outfit. Man, he, he brought a pack in one time. This is a couple of years ago. And he's like, Cody, I got a, a few things that need to be fixed on my pack. And I'm. I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah, just bring it on in. You know, we'll get it. Well, you know, whatever it is, he brought it in, and I'm. I literally was like, stop, stop right there. It, you know, it was raining out. I'm like, Greg, 
I think that pack could walk by itself. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, and I don't know how many technical packouts Greg does a year. A lot, But probably. I'd venture to say that there's probably 20 mule deer, maybe another 20 bulls a year. You know, you guys know Greg, how hardworking he yeah. is. Mm-hmm. That pack was five years old, and he was still using it like it was brand new. Yeah. And, yes, there was a couple seams that we had to do a couple things. We had to replace one of the harnesses because a, a rodent, he left it outside one night. <laughs> I did ro- that once. Yeah, <laughs> a, a rodent chewed through yeah. it. So you start, I mean, that's just a testament right there that, you know, one of the best hardworking guides I know. That's going to use it. He's used it more in five years than anyone else is going to use it in their lifetime. Yeah. Not to yeah. mention, I think two years ago, I think he got, um, he was coming up out of one of those big canyons, you know, over probably. Yeah, and he wiped eight, out. And he wiped out and literally fell off kind of a cliff, if you will. And he kind of basically attributes the fact that he had that pack on, that it it actually kind of kept his back and everything. I, not that you know, not that we're saying go yeah, go life saving equipment. <laughs> but yeah, no, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's that sticker? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it, it's uh, but you just and, and you know what? And that that same pack that he brought in, there was not a thing wrong with it. After he he had eighty pounds or eighty five pounds in it and fell off a cliff. And the pack was still going, so uh, you, you can't uh, you can't deny that, that that we're trying to build something that lasts people. Yeah, they got to have a value. There's yeah. no value. There's no reason to do it. Cody, I look across here, and the guys are getting out the spotting scopes. Looks like here's a looks like a, a ATX Swarovski. We've got an uh, an angled Zeiss here. We've got the Koas, 32 power Koa Highlanders. Um, as far as these spotting scopes. If you will, you you basically have your your uh, manufacturers are Swarovski, Zeiss, Leica, Koa, Koa, yeah, um, uh, Vortex, you got Vortex, yeah. Um, and and if you were to just walk through those spotting scopes, and maybe not every single one, but just in general, do you basically have a spotting scope that will meet anyone's needs as far as from? You know, the super most high-end to middle ground oh, to absolutely. maybe most affordable. Yeah, I mean, you go from, um, you know, we can go from the Vortex Vipers all the way up, you know, through the Zeiss Conquest or, well, actually, this new Zeiss Conquest that's right to your uh, right, Dar, that's a, that's mm-hmm. the new Gavia. What do you um, think? What's your it, It's actually that? a fantastic piece of gear. Um, it's, a, it's a new scope for this year. Uh, I've been really pleased with it. Um, if anybody's wanting me to compare it, uh, I'd probably say that it's very similar to um, either the Maven, uh, or I'd say it's very similar to the uh, um, the Vortex Razor. Uh, they fall right in that same line. Very similar pricing, uh, and I think the performance is is right there at those at those three. Um, and then of course you go into the the Zeiss FLs, the Dioscopes. Um, and then the, the Leica telescopes, um, actually I sold that one. <laughs> I sold everything I had in the Leica one yesterday. And then, uh, and then of course the, the ATX yeah. of course you, I think everybody knows how much we appreciate the, the, the modular, uh, ATX and STX. Um, talk Gen- about that modular system just a little bit. And, and from Swarovski, from yeah. Swarovski, you know, it's got a, it's got a bigger ocular um, and y- you can basically have a uh, 
eyepiece that can screw into an objective that's either 65, 85, yep. or 95, right? And, well, and what, what, it what does that is brings. It allows you, whether you're a, a, an angled or a straight, uh, it allows you to have either a 65, 85, or 95. And I think what the most common thing that people do, do what they do is, is that they buy a 95 and they buy the 65 because they can use a 65 when they want to lighten the weight up in, in size. And, uh, and maybe they're backpacking or doing something like that. And then, you know, when they're closer to the truck or maybe they're, they want long-range glassing or maybe they're digiscoping or they want as much light as possible, they use the 95. And it's um, that's actually, since I've been in the industry, that's the best-selling spell- spotting scope that I've ever personally been around. Uh, it The performance of the 95 is... It's outstanding. Uh, it, 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 it's, I mean, it, it's literally the best spotting scope I've ever looked for. Yeah, me too. I second that. I, I so, love mine. And, of course, the, the pictures that I've seen both you guys take through that 95, um, I've never done it with an 85, but uh, the, 95, the, the quality of the pictures, and I know it, some of it has to do with the cameras, but the well, I mean, talk it, about it, that, that it, it, the it, APO adapter because yeah, I mean, that's it, a huge it, thing too. Yeah, there's a, a product that's from Swarovski. It's a TLSO uh, APO, and it basically allows you to take your DSLR camera and connect it to your either your Canon or your Nikon, and it, for the lack of a better way to say it, it basically turns your 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 camera into a well, it turns a, your spotting scope into a lens into a lens, correct, and yeah. and the images. I mean, I know that there's probably some people that are way more trained at it than I, but when, when I've seen some of your stuff, Dar, and I've seen Jay's, I, I, the, 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 the quality of that stuff is amazing. Yeah. And you can video and take pictures, which is nice. It, exactly. Yeah. You know, Cody, I have one question for you, and it's a little bit elementary, but I was hoping you could explain it to the listeners and the fact that how does the objective portion from a 65 to an 85 to a 95 so the objective is 65 millimeter to 95 millimeter. Right. As you get bigger, as the objective gets bigger, 95, uh-huh. to me, it just gathers more light. It, but is there any other capabilities that, it, it, you know, makes the 95 that much more uh, precise and better for, say, looking at something at a really long distance? Is it simply a light gathering capability? Well, it is a light gathering, but it... What it basically becomes in is, is, is an equation of math. So the, the, the bigger the objective lens, and let's say you're at 30 power. Let's just use 30 power. Well, 30 goes into 90, what, you know, three, three times. times. Right. And so your exit pupil is, is at that point it's 3.0 or a little more than 3.0. And that 3.0 represents the band of light that actually reaches your eye. So the bigger the exit pupil the more light that reaches your eyes. So uh, that spotting scope, the biggest objective lens that I can think of prior to that was either the, the, the what, what was it? Koa made the 88. Yeah, didn't Zeiss have a 90? The f- nah, well, that, if they did, it was long before I was in there. But, I mean, you're, you're, mainly everything was 80s. Yeah. You know, Zeiss had an 85. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, it was so like, until they... <clears throat> they hadn't gone over 80. Well, and I think the thing that I think that was the most telling was is when you bought your, well, it was originally an ATX. Yeah. 
you asked me what the power was going to be like over 50. And I said, Jay, it's going to blow your mind. And you're like, come on, Cody, you know when we turn it past 50, you know how, you know, you always... Gets a little finicky. It gets a little touchy and maybe not as, you know, clear. And I said, Jay, it's going to rock your world. And if I'm not mistaken, if I remember that day, you went scouting for sheep that day, called me from the field and said, Cody, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Because when you turn it yeah. up through that power range, in my opinion, it's the most usable over 50 power anything that's on the market. Yeah. How you much can go to 70 power on the 95? Yeah. Because and most people may not realize that when you're in the 65 and the 85, you're you're on a different power setting. So you go 25 to 60 and then on the on the 95 it jumps from 30, 30 to 70. 70. Even though the IP stays the same? The the eyepiece, yeah, the the power stays with the modular objective lens. So Gotcha. Yeah. And I, do you notice like sorry to interrupt no. you Jay, but do you notice anything in the field of view changes with the bigger objective, or is that about the same? Well, I think it's about the same, but it? it's all, but the field of view is all relative to the power setting you're right. on. But, but it, the so field it doesn't of view, change. So if you go thirty for thirty, oh, you know, let's. I mean, if you went thirty for twenty-five, I mean, the field of view for those spotting scopes is phenomenal for what what, what power you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and a question I would have is. You know, that modular uh, spotting scope from Swarovski, I mean, it's unbelievable, and, and, you know, your sales reflect that. But also the ocular is bigger. I believe the ocular is like 25 or 30% bigger. Correct me if I'm wrong. It it is. How much does that play into the the overwhelming capability of how crisp and clear it is at that high power? I think it has to do with the way and the... And the ease to look through because oh, it's yeah. well, definitely easier it's, to look through. It, it is the easiest eyepiece yeah. that I've ever looked through. And you, I think we all agree that I don't use the eye relief. Uh, I mean, my, I, I, yeah. I would just as soon take that rubber piece Explain off. Explain that. Eye relief is the, the, the cap that comes back toward as you yeah, unscrew. You have an adjustable eye cup that, that helps you adjust your, the distance of your eye or the lens of your eye to the lens of the, the, the optic. And that's, that's eye relief. So that just allows you to do that. Right. So, um, but we've always found that the closer you get your eye, the, the, the bigger the field of view and, seems. You know, and if you talk to the, the true glass experts, I don't know that it actually, in terms of mathematics, truly makes your field of view wider, but it makes your perceived field of view wider. And I think we would all agree that when you feel like you're looking through a tube, you, I mean, to me, I feel... You look, feel like for, you're looking through a tunnel. Well, yeah, yeah, you feel, I almost feel claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like to know that I just have that bigger field of view. Yeah. And so, it, whether it's perceived or actual, I, I truly believe that it's technically perceived, but I, I just, I feel like there, and, 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 and I feel it's almost like a depth of view. And I think that that's important, too. Let, let's talk about um, eye relief and talk about eye cups on a binocular. Uh-huh. And in your, in your mind, when you're selling binoculars, how many people take the eye cups and, and pull them all the way out? And how many, well, how many go all the way in? Like, I never glass with my eye cups My out. eye cups They're are all the way down. in, yeah. so my eyeball is, is close to the glass as possible. Well, but I notice most people pull their eye cups out. So I'm just curious on, 
are we different than others, or do they just not know? Well, I, I think. Well, I think you just touched on on really the biggest thing is is that. So if if I walk over and I start talking to a guy about binoculars, most people, I would tell you that don't quite understand that 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 eyepiece is meant to adjust the eye relief. And so, to give it an example, is like eyeglass wearers. Sometimes they'll pull the, 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 the eye cup all the way out. Mm-hmm. And really, it's designed so, I mean, if you think about it, it's really designed so that if you, you flatten them out, that people that wear eyeglasses can, can actually still look through right. the, the binocular. And so, but then they ask the question, well, but if you don't wear eyeglasses, why are you putting them flat? It, because it does help. And I would tell you that younger people that that maybe don't have as much experience behind glass or don't know where where the distance should be they actually should use the eye cups because it helps regulate that that eye relief it helps it helps them keep it steady consistent Um, we've looked through binoculars we we probably do it we don't even think about it but i know i know exactly where to have my face onto the binocular so that I can keep that eye relief. I don't need the, the eye cups to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it is an important part of that. But I would tell you that most people don't really truly understand why why they do that. So yeah. it's just a, a thing that you educate people. And w- within the drop of a hat, they're, all of a sudden they know. And, and I've never had anybody that didn't put their eye cups down. And that once they're glassing from a tripod and they're still, that they do not recognize the fact that they have that perceived, you know, field Bigger. of view. Right. One thing I would say, too, is I think the eye cups, when they're out, when you're picking your binos up and not having them on a tripod, sometimes the eye cups out help you throw them up and look. Sure, absolutely. Versus trying to suspend it out in front yep. of you Yeah, um, I think versus if, on a tripod. If you're not on a tripod, Dar, that's a great point. Um you want to work the booth today? <laughs> um, no, but I, I think that's a great point because if you're not glassing on, I, I guess what that you, you kind of prove a point. If you're not using a tripod, it just shows you how critical it is to keep the sure. binoculars still. Yeah, and so constant and, con- yeah. and yeah. constant. Yeah. Absolutely, right. you, because you picture trying to hold something and hover it in one spot. The more that you're doing that, the more that you're not stable or not in the same spot, your eye, whether you realize it or not, is going through it's all moving, kinds yeah. of functions and moving to to keep you focused and and on point. Yeah, and it it yeah, it's it's just not. I've got a question for both of you here. You both are phenomenal glassers. We've hunted together as a team for a long, long time and, and uh, you know, been on a lot of different hunts. Uh, actually, the question is when you're actually both of you looking, you're actively glassing. Let's say we're glassing for coos deer. You're set down. You've got your tripod set up, and you're looking through your binos. What are your eyes doing? What what? What are you, are you swimming around? Are you focused dry, directly in the center of the glass? Are you letting your eyes, you know, work edge to edge? I, I'm curious, both of you, what's your opinion I, or how you do it or how you perceive yourself doing it? I think there's, th- I mean, Darl, I mean, go ahead. I think depending on what we're doing, depending on what time of day, depending on, you know, do I already have deer in there? Do I, 
I guess just depending on what we're doing, I would tell you that if I'm gritting or I'm I'm tearing a certain piece of country apart, and when I say gritting, I'm methodically going, you know, let's just say left to right, and then I'm going, you know, and then I'm dropping down and working that right to left. I'm, I'm just gritting going sweeping, back and forth, yeah. sweeping the mountain. I am literally, for every stop that my binocular makes and I take that field of view, I am letting my eyes look at the entire field of view. And when I feel like I've got that done, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overlap, you know, the next field of view, and I'm going to let my eyes, you know, sweep the whole thing again. Um, and then there's other times when, you know, I like to use the term power glassing or, you know, people are just, they're moving the, the, the glass to specific spots on the mountain because maybe they... Kind of maybe shotgun they, approach. Well, but maybe they've seen deer there before. Maybe they've seen a buck. Saddles, know, yellow grass sa- spots, yeah, whatever. The spots that you think, you know what, if I were a deer, I'd be right there. The garden spots. It, yeah. It, yeah, that's a great way to put mm-hmm. that. But but yet, to answer the question, yeah, I think it that's what I'm doing. And I think that I notice, I think we've all been sitting on a hill, and you watch that guy pull up in a truck, and he throws his binoculars up and he looks for you know 10 or 15 minutes or maybe it's even 10 or 15 seconds gets back in the trucks to drive off and you're and you're thinking to yourself that guy i'm looking at deer that he just looked in the general direction and he has not a clue that they're there but you got to think to yourself what did that guy just do with his optics he didn't even look he just looked in a general spot that there nothing there and and that's why I've always said that when you put it on a tripod, you know, buy the best glass you can afford, put it on a tripod, and slow down. I like the slow down part because it literally makes you look at an entire field of view. So when especially you're slow- if if you haven't glassed a lot, um, right? Because I I do feel that uh, if you don't really know what you're looking for, you you don't have experience glassing for let's say coos deer, right? It's easy to just pan right by them. Oh, absolutely. For me, I feel like I've glassed Cooster enough that, and I think you're the same way. I don't glass very slow. I'm moving my binos right. pretty rapidly. And one thing I, I've noticed, I've you, you talk about like muscle memory with sports right. or golf or whatever. I think there's a, a muscle memory with your eyes and your brain that I'll be sweeping across a hillside. And I noticed it this last trip in Mexico. I panned across an opening and went through it, and I was looking at another spot, and my brain said, I think I saw a deer there. I backed up, yep. and there was a, a deer's butt sticking out. And there's just something about if you've glassed a bunch and know what you're looking for, your eyes catch things that your brain doesn't even really... It's, it's, it's instant. It's, it hasn't caught up yet. Yeah, well, it hasn't caught up, and it's, it's, it's almost subliminal, like... The, and the other thing I'll say is we take a lot of coos deer hunters in Mexico, and it's it seems like it takes the guys three or four or five days before they're able to start glassing deer up on their own. Yep. And then to, to be able to know what size to be looking for at 500 yards, 1,000 right. yards, 2,000 well, yards, that's a very I, hard I, thing. I, I was to, just going to add to that. It's like y- you guys know – Okay, so when we transition from elk to to deer season, you know, like how I mean, you know, n- no offense, 
when you're looking for a, a tine across <laughs> something, you know, that's one thing. But when you're looking for, I mean, elk are not the most difficult thing in the planet. Volkswagen bugs. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, it, look, you're glassing, you're doing it. And then all of a sudden, like, you, like, somebody like will say, hey, did you see the deer standing there next to the elk? And you're like, oh. Oh, <laughs> oh there is, you're right. There is a deer stand right yeah. there, and because I think you get your your mind where you you're looking for it is a muzzle man. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good way to put it. But you are you're looking for that color, and and all of a sudden you realize that there's a deer standing there that is obviously a completely different color. But I think there's always that transition. I always want to get that first one underneath my belt. Yeah, yeah. Like well, it's it, like you're. Your brain automatically goes, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. Exactly. And it, it's, it snaps into it's, place. It, you know, but you talk about mule deer, but coos deer mostly. I, I, I still think it's so amazing that you could be on a coos deer. And you could be like intently, and I mean concentrating on that deer. And you take your eye off for, I mean, a split second. Maybe you've got a wide enough field of view where you can see, mate, you feel like another deer's coming, or you know, maybe the deer's acting like there's a deer yeah, or coming. Yeah, you pull or, your head out of your yeah, binos, yeah, talk to wait, the hunter. Oh, yeah, and then and you, you get back in, and you're like, okay, he's gone. Where, where, did go? where did the deer go? Yeah. And the deer, he hadn't even moved. Yeah, same spot. Same yeah. spot. And then it takes him just, maybe just, he kind of like flickers his, his hide a little bit, just shakes a little bit, and you're like, oh, my God. He was right there. And he was right there, same standing spot, in, in yeah. the middle of the same bush, and you're like, I. It, it, and your eyes play tricks on you like that, yeah. but that's, th- and I think all of that, it just comes with experience. Sure. The more time you spend behind the glass, the more time that you see that that deer, um, and I think you guys know this. You start looking at deer enough, like you almost you almost, like like look at that doe how how white colored she is versus that deer how she's dark or maybe the tail cinnamon, cinnamon dipped yeah. or mm-hmm. you know one's black you know i mean you've seen all kinds of different but you start picking those yeah. those you know details up and that's that just comes with experience yeah cody um a couple more questions and then we'll wrap it up here yeah can um, you hear the building you yeah can, you can <laughs> feel it, it the buzz know, the buzz just looking to, around i mean the show's been open now 15 minutes or so yep. and i mean there's already quite a few more people than even yes, sir. yesterday so it's going to be a great show day here at sci in vegas um you had uh, a great case built for me for that new twin spotting scope setup yes sir and and you have great uh bino pouches uh-huh. and, and different cases for optics, I was hoping you could speak a little bit about um, how that has progressed. And yeah, and we're we're actually right now um, those are in production. Um, I this season we will uh, be doing a lot more um, accessories. Uh, that's one of the things I'm concentrating on. Uh, you know, we're always working on new stuff, um, but I've been a little short on that, and I think it's something our customers want and. You know, I think there's a Koa case. Yeah, there is right yeah. down there's here. At the yeah, floor. One, yep. um, you know, I build them for the Koas, but build them for the Twin Spotters, um, uh, and I'll, I'll be doing one for the uh, the forty by eighty, you know, uh, Doctor Optics. So, um, but also for the smaller binos too. Yeah, right? we're we're work. It, all of that's coming, and uh, it, it uh, we've just we 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 feel like we've got a good design that uh, 
I'm not going to tell you what it reminds me of, but you and I have talked about that. But when it comes out, we'll, yeah. we'll have that conversation. And you anyone know, that has the COAs needs to get this case. Yeah, this, this case. To put um, it in your pack. Is, I literally, you know, we all have the SKB or the Pelican cases that are for good for travel. And, and if you're in the truck, they're going to protect them. But um, this case was developed basically so that we could put them in a pack and still feel that they're um, protected. Th- that they're completely protected. And it's also, I want to be clear on this, because a lot of people want us to build, I'm going to call it like a skin. No. And we've had this conversation, and I do not believe if somebody, I guess, wanted me to build it, I'd build it. But people ask me all the time, how come you don't put neoprene you know, in the cups and, and anything that is on a binocular? And if you care at all about video... Vibration. Oh, it's horrible. The wind picks up and yeah. and pulls. Yeah. I on, I on would those. totally second that in the fact that, you know, anything that's on your binocular, including your eye cup sometimes, right. if you get any kind of wind chop at all, those things are going to be blowing yeah. around. And I it's know guys sail. like to protect their binoculars, but yep. I pull my bino- I protect my binoculars as much as anybody, anybody out there, and that's why these cases are phenomenal. But I believe once you get them in your, either in your hand or on a tripod, get everything off of them because the the le- the more wind resistant they can be, and 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 the the less that the wind can affect them, the better off you're going to be. I, I love watching Eddie. He's got he's got these <laughs> lights that he puts on top of our. I frame saw a now. light flashing around, and hey, if you've ever packed an elk out like that, I'm just flat out telling you. Yeah, what is it, that? He just a bike light, isn't um, it? it? Yeah, he he's taking bike lights. And literally used the the frame and put them so he's literally got two he's full got headlights lights on his pack on his pack. So that just fits on the tip of the outdoorsman's frame, yes. perfectly. Yes. So basically, so you get a visual. There's there's two posts that come up yep. over your shoulders, and he's got a light on each post, basically right over his shoulder. Headlights sticking you know, out the it's front. It's funny, and he is too. Like right now. I, I he's, love in this. Element, like, no, he? he's in his element. No, he's in his element. He's selling it. And <laughs> it, it it's, like, it's like we're watching an infomercial oh, right yeah, now. It is. It's awesome. It is. He's just getting it done. Yeah. <laughs> he, so. He's got a pack on, headlights on, a tripod, oh, yeah. a Swarovski <laughs> yep. spotting scope. He's yeah. selling Eddie, about uh, eight different Eddie items Corona, at one time. Um, I got to say a little something about Eddie because he's just an awesome guy. Um, Eddie uh, uh, has been working for the outdoorsmen at the shows. I think it's got to be going on. 10, 12, 13 years, something like that. And um, Eddie also runs uh, and is partners with Chris Denham in an organization called Outdoor Experience for All. And uh, he's he, we are so lucky to have him with us because he, he just does so much. He's so good with our customers, so knowledgeable. And I don't know if there's anybody in this building that he doesn't know. Yeah. Very yeah. friendly. Very, very friendly. Yeah. It just loves people, loves coming here, um, loves meeting new people, and uh, it is just an absolute pleasure to have with us. But Yeah, um, absolutely. But, but back on the case, just real quick, yeah. I think what needs to be perfectly clear when people think about this case, what we are talking about is, is a case that you put your COAs in or your twin spotters or your doctor optics that you completely take off the optic before you put it on the tripod. Right. Yeah, it's a transport case when it's in it, your backpack it, that is in a, the it's field. It's a padded yeah. transport case. Yeah. 
but it's not so padded that it that it's heavy. It's still lightweight, bulky, but it's yeah, well, got great support. And I mean, it's got a handle on it. It's got a couple little little pockets to well, put little we've optics actually cleaners built them and different so things. That we've actually built them so that they'll connect to our compression straps, so that if you had to load up the main part of your pack with meat, um, we will. They actually connect to our our compression straps, so it will ride on the outside if you had to do it. Yeah. So. Cody, um, I know you got to get here with customers, so I'll let you go. Um, but I do want you to tell the listeners uh, w- if they're planning on coming, I believe, to the Salt Lake show. I believe that's the only show yep. that you guys will be doing after this. You've already been on you know, the, a bunch of shows already. But you will be uh, in Utah we will at be the in, Western Hunting yep, Expo. Yep. Um, I encourage people to come out and meet all the guys at the outdoorsmen's. Well, we'll uh, have... Um, in our booth space, we'll have wilderness athlete guys. We'll have the Western Hunter guys. Um, the outdoorsmen will be there. Uh, and, and, you know, the, 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 the SLC people, Salt Lake City people um, at Western Hunter uh, Conservation Expo, um, they have been doing a fantastic job of putting together a homegrown, you know, local show. And it is a diehard um, very dedicated, very uh, passionate group of hunters. Um, and there's a ton of vendors that are going to be this year. I think this year, um, without even, uh, just by looking at the vendor list, this will be the biggest show that they've ever had. And they do awesome. a fantastic they job do of raising money job. for conservation. That's and, correct. Yeah. Awesome. So, well, good. I uh, hope the listeners get a chance to get out there to Utah and come see you. Of course, um, the listeners also have the option of calling in 1-800-291-8065. Correct. Uh, and they can also go on outdoorsmans.com. Correct. Uh, obviously, like always with my listeners, uh, if they use the J. Scott promo code, uh, they can get a 10% discount. And I just encourage uh, uh, the guys to come to Phoenix. If, if they're anywhere in Arizona at any time, come yep. see it. Come see it at the shows. Uh, but But... Most importantly, call them on the phone. Uh, Go to their website. They've got a great website. And these are guys that are the optics authorities. Uh, You know, I I, I don't say that uh, lightly. And I've known you for a long, long time. And it's it's nice to have a place where people actually use the product. And I can grab any one of your guys over here and get them and ask them all sorts of technical questions. And they can answer them practically. Not just yep. out of a book knowledge, but yep. stuff like, hey, I like this a little bit better than this one in this certain application. And I think that's where the value of what you guys do absolutely, uh, compared to the rest. So I want to thank well, you I appreciate for, uh, that, Jay. for uh, coming on here with Dara and I. And it's been fun. Well, this has been fun. I, you know, we haven't gotten to do this very much. This, we've yeah. all been so busy. And uh, I just appreciate the, 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 the support. And uh, we... we uh, we have a lot of fun doing this. We do. Yeah. It's been a long time. We need to we go hunt together. Yeah, we know. Yeah, I was going to say, when are we going to get, who's going to draw the next best tag? Let's, let's have some fun with that. We miss having you in South Camp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. South Old South Camp. South Camp's a little You got to tell that story real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I know you got to go. We got to tell that well, story. Well, <laughs> I think I tell it best. Um, yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> let's just say that. The, that Cody Goff and I, we we uh, we had a couple clients out of California, California, yeah. and we were on a, a a late 
white till. Yeah, like you guys were busy, and you're like, "Can you just set up a can- a tent for us well, so we can just roll yeah, in we, late?" We couldn't and be darn there. Like, no problem. We'll set your tent up. Yeah. So they sent you know they sent this eight man Cabela's tent up. I think it was Jay's and, tent. And it was it was literally it was like a per- it's one of my favorite camp spots. It's a great place. But, but it was, you know, it was it, snowy, it, right? Yeah, well, it was snowy, snowy and, and rainy. Rain. Well, cold. not when we set the tent up, it was. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> but we're in the warm travel trailer with, with our hunters and the heater on. And Well, if I remember right, it was raining overnight. I'll let yes. you tell the story, well, it was Cody. It was raining. And, you guys uh, showed up, got in the tent, and in it started raining. In the middle of the night, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. middle of the night. And, uh, and I'm talking raining, like, hard rain. Yeah. To the point where nobody's going out in the morning. It's, I mean, it's fogged in. You can't see. And, and, and but it's all, still cold, too. It's, it's still, like it's December. Fr- it it yeah. was one of the coldest Decembers that I can ever yeah. remember. Like the, the kind of cold where deer aren't even getting up out yeah. of beds until but like the alarm, the, the alarm goes off and it's raining so hard that we all know we're not going out. But we haven't talked to you yet. So we start getting text messages from well, you well, over in the tent. So, <laughs> well, no, well, no, let me preface this, though. So Goff and I are laying in our cots, and I literally, I, I'm, I'm going to check the weather, so I, I go to the door. And I realize that when I go to the door, yeah, I'm, I may or may not have stepped in. I'm going to say it was one to two inches of water. <laughs> I, I, I'm not... And, and it wasn't like it wasn't like I was on a float tube, but I may have been able to go down the verde. <laughs> just might have been a, inside. The so, tent. so I text Jay. I said, "South Camp reporting," and Jay texts back, "North Camp dry." And I'm like, "South Camp wet, <laughs> taking we, on we, water, yeah, taking on water slowly." And yeah, so I, and I, I guess the hunters at that point were like. Who are the guys that you brought with you? I mean, these guys are crazy. I think Goff and I used up every piece of cotton, <laughs> towel, clothing, moving blankets that were in the back of my truck and soaked up. And, and I think there was just one little rip. Like the, the, the clay that's in that dirt up there was just soaking up so much rainwater because we'd had a lot of rain. Yeah. That it just was literally like seeping into one little hole so jay has been taking off tent duty for a long yeah. time yeah putting me on tent duty first of yeah. all is probably not the you best got thing. your spatula back but i'm not going you can't have the tents back <laughs> that's a whole nother story guys cody it's been awesome thanks Absolutely. for having us on here and um or thanks for hosting us here at the booth and uh we're gonna hopefully be doing some more uh, podcasts here from episodes from the booth and uh, it's always great having you and I uh, hope you have a great next couple of days. I encourage uh, uh, the guys to give Cody and his crew a call. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Dar, it's good, good having you here. Thank we, you. I've never gotten to do the Dar. Yeah. The Dar experience on the podcast. This is, uh, I like this. This is, this is good. good stuff. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.